Enchanté. You are listening to the What the Fab podcast, where empowered women empower women through candid conversations, inspiring stories, and tangible tips. I'm your host, Elise Armitage. I'm a digital creator, and I left my nine to five job at Google to chase my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get into some real talk. Hey there, welcome back to the What the Fab podcast. Today we are experimenting with something a little bit different. So we will see how you guys like it, or maybe you'll hate it. I don't know. We're trying something new here. So I know that I have a mix of listeners that are influencers, content creators, and a mix that are not, but are just here for the lifestyle tips and productivity hacks and interviews. So this one, if you are not an influencer, if you're not an aspiring content creator, Instagrammer, you might not be as interested in. Um, But this is episode 12. So we do have 11 other episodes that you can listen to in the meantime, if this is not your jam. Um, If you're not an influencer, but you are interested in just kind of hearing the behind the scenes of monetization, then you might find this interesting. If you are a content creator, I think you're going to like this conversation because it is all about negotiation and setting rates when you're working with brands. So this episode is actually a recording of a clubhouse chat, my very first clubhouse chat that I did with a group of girls. Um, I am part of a diverse travel bloggers group. We named it Babes That Wander. We actually launched right at the beginning of 2020 and then the pandemic hit. So we've basically just become a support group for each other. And we are always chatting through, you know, ways to support each other and thinking about how we're going to launch when things with this panty calm down and we're able to travel a bit more. So there are a bunch of great girls in this group. I will leave everyone's handles in the show notes and the Babes That Wander handle so that you can go and check everyone out. Give them all a follow on Instagram and on Clubhouse if you're on there. By the way, if you are interested in joining Clubhouse right now, it's invite only. And I do have, they keep giving me more invites. It's like the more I use them, the more they give me. So I think I've got like five invites right now. Um, So you can just shoot me a DM. I'm at WTFab on Instagram and we will get you hooked up. Right now it's iPhone only. I'm sure they'll be expanding to Android later on, but is what it is for now. So part of why I wanted to record our clubhouse chat was I got a lot of feedback from other bloggers and people that were interested in joining that they either couldn't make the time that we were hosting the chat or they didn't have an invite yet for Clubhouse. And so I wanted to put this into a podcast episode to make it easily accessible and shareable. With that being said, because it was an off-the-cuff clubhouse chat, the audio is not pristine. (laughs) Like I usually like it when I'm recording by myself, like right now with my Yeti microphone and my whole like sound system and everything. But you know what? We're just going to go with it. We're going to give it a try. The content is there. The information is there. And if you are looking to better understand how to set rates, kind of the potential pitfalls and challenges that you can come across when you're negotiating as a content creator, things to look out for in contracts, all that kind of stuff. We also touch a little bit on pitching for travel and how to get media stays and how to get compensated for your work. And so we kind of go all over the place within those those kind of categories. And if you're an influencer content creator, I think you're going to find some good nuggets in there. And I know that people that aren't content creators sometimes just like a little peek behind the curtain of like, how does your business run? How do you make money? You know, you say you have a six figure business, like how do you actually generate that revenue? So this kind of gives you a look behind the scenes if you're interested. Before we dive into this episode, I just want to remind you to subscribe to the What the Fab podcast. We are going to actually be doing more of these clubhouse chats in the future. So if you guys like this type of episode, I can definitely create more of these. And of course, besides the blogger specific episodes, I also do a lot of conversations around productivity, just like life hacks, living your best life interviews. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And then if you could also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it because that is the best way to help this podcast grow and helps keep me going, creating more content and podcast episodes for you. And then if you would like to connect with us over on our Babes That Wander account, we are babes underscore that wander and 
And hopefully soon after this pandemic is over, we're going to be hitting the road, hopping on some flights together and going on some, some trips and creating some travel content together. And we really created this group when we saw that there was a need for a more diverse group of travel bloggers. You, you do see a lot of kind of girls that look the same going on these press trips and it was time to shake things up. So we're really excited for the future and what that holds for Babes That Wander. Okay, so let's get into how to set your rates and negotiate with brands. So I'm going to do my best to recap the first 15 minutes or so of the Clubhouse conversation because I had not hit record yet when we were in the middle of that chat. But basically, I started off the conversation by talking about kind of a basic formula for figuring out how to set your rate. And this formula is something that I feel like maybe three or so years ago was more of like the standard. And now um, things have changed within the industry. Like there are things like exclusivity and photo usage rights and boosting, um, also called whitelisting, that were not really a thing three or four years ago. And so those are all things that... you know, you can add more and more um, to your rate and adjust your rate by increasing it when those things are asked of you. So the basic formula is to take your following number and divide it by 100. So if you have 100,000 followers and you divide that by 100, that would be your rate, it would be $1,000. So that was really helpful a few years ago for kind of figuring out, you know, around what your rate should be. However, if you have, you know, let's say you have 10,000 followers, that's, you're probably considered a micro influencer at that point, but that's not nothing. Like 10,000 people is a lot of people. And it's absolutely worth more than $100 for you to create an Instagram post. And so you need to also be thinking about like, okay, so this might be like the bare, bare, like, base rate, but then you also have to account for your time. You have to account for other potential expenses. Do you work with a photographer? Do you need props for this shoot? Think about all of that and keep that in mind. And so even though you might be working with a smaller kind of bare bare minimum base rate, you also want to tack on enough to compensate you properly for your time and your expenses. Then you also want to increase your rate based on the other requests that a brand might have. So as I mentioned earlier, things like exclusivity, um, that's something that when a brand requires or requests that there is some sort of exclusivity period, I always, first of all, try to negotiate the period down. So if they ask for three months, I say, can we do one month? If they ask for, you know, four weeks, I say, can we do two weeks? Like I'm always trying to negotiate down that exclusivity period. And then you also, of course, should be increasing your rate to account for that exclusivity period. I in, I mean, I've seen so many different ways that people calculate how to charge for exclusivity. The way that I usually do it is for every month that I am exclusive with that brand, I double my rate. So um, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but one thing that I mentioned is that I am really passionate about talking about specific numbers and encouraging women to be more open about talking about their money, talking about how they're making it, what they're making, income reports, that kind of thing. And so I'm going to share with you guys what I charge for my Instagram posts. It completely depends on the brand and the requests, but my standard rate is 1800 for an Instagram post. And so that's kind of taking that basic formula of dividing my Instagram following. I'm like 130 something right now, um, dividing that by 100. So that gets me 1300 and then adding on some time um, and an expense for my hours and other expenses that it takes for me to create my content. And so with that in mind, if a brand is asking me for a month of exclusivity, I'm going to be asking them for 3600 at the bare minimum. Um, exclusivity, I feel like a lot of bloggers just kind of ignore that because they're so excited to work with the brand, but exclusivity is a big deal and you can get into a pickle when you have a long, I mean, I've had brands ask for crazy long exclusivity, like a year, and you just don't know what kinds of opportunities are going to come your way. And so if they want that kind of exclusivity, then they have to pay for it. And so they need to make it worth your while to be able to say no and turn down other brands within that brand category if that is what they're requesting of you. 
This episode is brought to you by Flowdesk. Flowdesk is an incredible email marketing service provider, and they are the platform that I use for my email campaigns for What the Fab. The platform is so intuitive and easy to use. It's very drag and drop. And best of all, it's aesthetic AF. The templates are beautiful, and you can easily add your own brand colors to it to make sure that your emails look and feel like you. I used to use MailChimp back in the day, but after trying Flowdesk out about a year ago, I was in love and I know you will be too. You can give Flowdesk a try for 30 days free. And if you want to keep them, which I know you will, you can use my referral link to lock in a 50% off price at $19 a month and lock that in forever. You can get this offer and try it for free at whatthefab.com slash Flowdesk. And that is spelled F-L-O-D-E-S-K. That's whatthefab.com slash flowdesk. I can't wait to see what stunning emails you create. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Another thing that brands sometimes request is photo usage rights. And so whenever I'm working with a brand, I'm, I always let them know that they are welcome to reuse my photos on their social media with credit to me. And that means not just tagging me in the photo, but tagging me clearly in the caption. I've also had brands try to be sneaky and think it's cute to reuse my photos and tag me in a story, but to put my handle underneath their um, Instagram profile picture and name, I absolutely call them out when that happens because that's not okay. People can't tap through to see my profile and check me out. I'm getting zero exposure from that. You are literally just using my images and not giving me the proper credit. So that's something to watch out for and keep in mind as well. And then in terms of if a brand wants to use your photos on their website, their email newsletter. Um, Maybe they want to use it as a product image. It could be in print or digital. That is absolutely something that you need to be compensated for. Do not give up your photo um, rights just because you're working on a paid campaign. That is separate. And so when I, I think it can get a little bit tricky and like people can feel unsure of what the proper amount is to ask for. But there is a really great tool. Getty Images has this photo usage rights um, calculator that you can use, which I will link to in the episode show notes. You can also find the show notes on my website at whatthefab.com slash rates. And the Getty Image Calculator is so great because you can go through and it'll ask you questions like, how is this photo being used? Is it digital? Is it print? Is it social? If it's social, how long can they use it for and how many followers do they have? So you just kind of input these numbers and then it spits out a rate for you. And I feel like nine times out of 10, the rate that Getty Images suggests to me is higher than what I would have originally been thinking. And you can also use that to back yourself up when you are requesting that fee and say like, okay, I've used Getty Images um, photo license calculator and it's telling me that I should be charging $2,000 for this photo or whatever it is. Um, so that's a great way to kind of back it up with some like data and authority if you're unsure of how to present that to a brand. Okay, and then the third thing that I see requests for from brands that you should absolutely be asking for additional compensation for is whitelisting or boosting your posts. And so basically, the brand is given access to your Facebook and Instagram so that they can put money behind and boost your post um, from your page. So when somebody is scrolling on Facebook, they will see an ad, it'll say, you know, sponsored, but it will be coming from your page with your profile on it. And it'll be, you know, the content that you shot for that brand. But if somebody clicks on it, you know, there's like a learn more or shop now button, it's going to take you to the brand's website. I personally don't love whitelisting. And um, we do chat about this more in this episode with some of the other girls. But um it to me it can feel a little bit inauthentic because you're scrolling on your feed you see this post from what the fab and you think that when you click on it it's going to lead you to a blog post on whatthefab.com and it actually leads you to a product sales page and it's kind of like this jarring realization that like oh I just clicked on an ad and like maybe I didn't even realize it um so that's something to keep in mind and to absolutely charge for um I kind of keep the same numbers in mind like for every 30 days I'm going to ask for double my rate. So that's kind of the quick and dirty for how to figure out and set your rates and then the things to be keeping in mind for additional requests and increasing and adjusting your rates based on that. I also want to give a couple of negotiation tips that have really helped me out in the past. And so when I'm negotiating with a brand, I number one, I really want to see if I can get the brand to suggest 
a rate and let me know what their budget is first. Sometimes that's not possible and they really want to know like what your number is, but if you can flip it around and like turn it back on the brand and say like, oh, I'd love to know like what your budget is and then we can discuss the deliverables and, um, you know, make that rate, try to make that rate work. That's a good way to kind of turn it around because I, I really, I mean, it's like negotiation 101, the first person to throw out a number loses because if I put out a number and I say, 1800 but the brand was thinking 3000 you know, that's 1200 bucks that I just lost out on. And it really is like, even though there are these kind of um, suggestions on how to figure out and set your rates, it really still is the wild, wild west out there. And um, I know from chatting with people on the brand side or like the PR agency side that they see rates all over the place. And so don't feel like, you know, you are asking a crazy amount or asking too much because I guarantee you this brand has already seen it and then some in terms of amounts that influencers are asking for. So that's my first tip for negotiation is to try to get the brand to let you know what they had in mind for their budget for these deliverables. And then hand in hand with that tip number two is that I always ask for more money. So if a brand, you know, if I can get them to let me know what budget they had in mind, let's say they say $2,000, then I'm going to come back with, hey, I'd really love to work with you on this. But the rate that I had in mind for these deliverables was closer to $4,000 could we meet in the middle at three? And nine times out of 10, they say yes, because they want to work with you too. And if you're letting them know that you had a slightly higher number in mind, but you're willing to kind of meet in the middle, hopefully they can meet you halfway. Um, I also would say I have never scared off a brand by asking for too much or asking for more. If the budget's not there, it's not there. And they will tell you that. And then at that point, it's up to you to make the decision if you want to work with them based on that budget or not. Um, But I've never had a brand ghost me because the amount that I put out was too much. So something to keep in mind when you're negotiating, you can and should ask for more. All right, now let's dive into the clubhouse chat. When I first hit record, we were talking about whitelisting and I actually learned some things from a couple of my fellow bloggers that I didn't know beforehand. So let's get into it. I would definitely second the asking who it's going to get boosted to and definitely charging more for something like that because it doesn't really translate into a positive outcome for you, the influencer. It's really just them getting free content to use for an ad. And also, like Lauren said, making it seem like it's an organic thing that's coming from you and not from the brand. I will add, um, because I recently talked to a marketer and they even explained that um, whitelisting can affect your engagement after as well for a short time. So it is something that you do want to charge. I I fell into the exact same hole, um, getting boosted to the wrong people. Um, Mine in particular um, had a lot of racist comments. Um, But in addition, seeing like the change in engagement, while I guess maybe the algorithm was trying to figure out who these new people were that weren't or maybe interested in the ad, but weren't interested in my content, weren't engaging in the same way. Um, So that's something you definitely want to consider um, with whitelisting as well. And then one last thing I would add um, when it comes to whitelisting and boosting is one, when you are figuring out what to charge a brand, ask them a number of factors such as, other than the audience, which I think was spoken about, is how long they're going to be boosting it for. Um, and in what platforms, because they may take your Instagram posts and boost it to Facebook or other platforms, because since it's it's linked, um, and also ask them whether they're going to, again, put those, those shop pages on. Now with Instagram having the option where you can shop right on um, the app, um, a lot of brands are buying into that and using influencer content to boost and whitelist, um, and then adding their products on there. And then, of course, you know, as many of us, we were looking to see commission from that. We're doing the work, we're creating the content. So if they're looking to add those options on, um, you know, ask for commission, it doesn't hurt. I mean, when you are negotiating whitelisting and boosting, you're allowed to ask those questions and put those in and saying that if someone gets a sale um, from yours, if it wasn't initially in there, um, you know, see if you can factor that out or, or factor it in, um, especially if they're adding on the products or collecting it to a shop. Um, but while we're closing out this this part of the topic, I want to reset the room. Um, let everybody know uh, we've been on here for about 25 minutes. We are the Babes That Wonder uh, group. 
um, minus one. She just couldn't make it today, but we'll be doing these chats um, possibly every other week on a variety of topics that you know work into the influence world, as well as talking about diversity and travel and other niches. So we'll open up the room to a Q&A and then have you all ask your questions and then we'll just let the ladies answer as, as needed. So I see, Becca, would you like to ask your question? Hi, yes, thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask, I can't remember who, who mentioned it, but um, said that whenever they receive rates from a brand, oh, they always go back asking for more. And if you could kind of share a little bit about how you word that, I definitely struggle with my confidence on asking for more. And I do feel like that's something I could use a little bit of guidance on, like kind of the wording of how you respond back asking for more, kind of what you put behind it to make it, you know, sound worthy of asking for more. Absolutely. So that was me, Elise. Um, and this was actually something that I started experimenting with while I was still working full time at Google. And my blog was like my side hustle. And I knew that I wanted to turn my blog into my full time business. Um, I just wasn't really sure like when that was going to happen for me. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to take a year and I am just going to like, hustle and pitch and negotiate my ass off and just experiment with different negotiation tactics and see what works for me and see what doesn't. And that kind of gave me the confidence of, you know, obviously I had my, my Google salary, um, going for me. So I, if I lost a brand deal because I asked for too much money, um, fine, I'm just going to experiment with it. But what I found out was when I asked for more money, they just gave me more money. So it definitely was a huge confidence booster for me to experiment with that. Um, and so in terms of like specifically how I ask for that, I mean, sometimes straight up the number that they give me is just not quite what I would have asked for. And so um, I just, you know, let them know like my standard rate for an Instagram post is $1,800. Um, you know, and I, I really appreciate your offer of a thousand, you know, can we either negotiate down some of the deliverables? So maybe they asked for a carousel post and five Instagram story frames. Like, can we negotiate that down, do a static image, do two story frames and meet somewhere in the middle? Um, that usually works really well for me because you are giving them a couple of options where it's not just give me more money, but it's also like, this is my standard rate. Um, you know, you're not quite meeting it, but like, I want to work with you and we can also kind of help to even that out by decreasing the amount of work and deliverables. Um, now the other example would be if they offer me, sometimes a brand will offer me more than what I would have asked for. Um, in that case, I'm like, okay, they obviously have budget. And so I will kind of upsell them. So let's say a brand offers me $3,000 for an Instagram post and exclusivity and whitelisting. And that is like about what I would have asked for. Um, I would follow up with them and say like, this sounds really great. I was thinking closer to 4,000. Um, can we meet in the middle or can we, can we meet around that number? I'm also happy to include a second set of stories the following week, or, um, you know, I have a gift guide coming up that I could include you in. So I'm giving them like a little bit more. They obviously have budget. So I'm kind of like going in for, you know, a little bit more, um, of a rate there. Um, and, I, like I said, nine times out of 10, they either say yes right away or we meet in the middle. Great. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Becca. Jenny, everybody. Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. And ask your question. Um, hi, old roomie, Lauren. Um, so my question was, I had reached out to, well, how do I say this? So I had posted about a brand on one of my Instagram posts and they DM'd me and said how much they liked my posts and blah, blah, blah. So then later on, I went back and asked them to do a collab with them if they were interested in doing like a giveaway. And so I wanted to know moving forward, if that was to happen again, how would I be able to approach them for doing like a collab that I got paid for versus just a gifting collab. And I'm still pretty small at this blogging thing. I just started this year. So I just, that was my question. How do I kind of instigate that versus just doing a gifted collab? So 
so I'll step in, uh, on, on that one. Um, so that happens quite frequently as whether it's a DM or as I'm sure many people have seen, you get the comment on your post saying, oh, we love your image. Can we use it? And, and they try to get to use your image for free. Um, my first thing that I do if that happens, especially if it's through DM, I would ask for a direct email address. Um, I try not to do negotiations within DM because a lot of times a person on the Instagram that's monitoring it or managing it is not the the person that can make decisions when it comes to marketing budget. Um, so by getting that direct email and then, you know, even screenshotting the DM and putting it in the email itself saying, you know, this was what you were all reached out for and then saying, you know, um, here's what I could offer you. Um, what is, what is your budget? So even sending them a pitch of what else it could look like. So even though they reached out, they loved your post in that email where you're sending, still pitch yourself, still send a, a brand new, fresh idea that they n- might not be thinking about. And then as they catch onto it and love it, you can say, well, if you would like an Instagram post, what's your budget? Um, here's my rates and move from that. Um, I mean, it happens quite frequently. You may just get a, we don't have a budget right now. We're only doing gifted campaigns. Um, and you can say, well, that's great. You can send me gifts. It's not guaranteed for a post. Um, because essentially at that point it's considered, um, uh, compensation, which you have to, you have to actually file taxes for. Um, but don't sit there and just take it so that, oh, I'm only going to get paid in gifts because your, your time is, is valuable. Hi, Jenny. It's Lauren. Um, to add to what Aisha said, I, I have this note. I have lots of notes in my phone with just pitches or things that I've written up to respond to brands. I absolutely agree with Aisha. I do not handle brand negotiations in my DMs. It's not searchable. Uh, It gets lost. So I always ask people to go ahead and email me and I'm just going to go ahead and read my uh, response back to people that reach out via DM so that you can kind of hear the language. Um, Language is everything. I used to teach English. So the power of your words can absolutely help them understand where you're coming from. So I usually say, hi, thank you for reaching out. Right now, the Lauren Cakes team is only taking on partnerships that pay up front for content creation and access to an engaged audience. With that said, I'm open to receiving gifted products on a no-strings-attached basis. If I love the product, it'll be organically introduced into my social media or blog on my own timeline. If the brand is interested, I'd love to discuss how we can work together on a social media partnership and advertising. Please send me an email at, and then I include my email address. So a couple of notes that I will add in there. I said um, my team so that they know that you, I mean, even if you're not a team, it's you're running your business like a team. We're doing photography, styling, you know, hairstyling, makeup. You're doing the whole shebang here. So you technically are a team. Um, I asked them to reach out to me via email. I told them that gifted products are no strings attached on my own timeline if I want to share them, but I would prefer to do a paid um, partnership. And if it is a small brand that's reaching out, I say, hey, as a small business myself, I understand Um, smaller budgets. You want them to understand that you are a business just as much as they are. And you understand that finances can be tricky and tough, but that you still expect to be paid for your work. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jenny. Rachel, can you hear us? Yes, I can. All right. Would you like to ask your question? Yes. Um, Is it okay if my question is specific to travel on brand deals? Of course. Awesome. Okay. So I am under 10,000 followers. I think I'm around 6,900 or 7,000. So I don't know if people at my size and, and my website doesn't get much traffic. I don't know if people can my, at my size can request payment for travel content. Um, this is with hotel stays, but do you think I would be able to negotiate a hotel stay, um, neg- a hotel stay brand deal? And do you think it would be one where I can get paid or at my size, it would be one where I'm not getting paid. I'm just getting the exchange of the space. And um, do you think at certain tiers, like, you know, there's five-star hotels and there's like mom and pop bed and breakfast. Do you think at certain tiers it gets more flexible just because they have 
a department that handles marketing or uh, what's just your take on that? This episode is brought to you by Tailwind. If you're a blogger or you have any type of website and you want to drive traffic to it through Pinterest, you need Tailwind. It's a social media scheduling tool that gets real results in less time. You know I am all about that. I use it to schedule all of my pins and you can sit down, take 30 minutes and schedule your pins for the entire week and Tailwind will automatically push them live throughout the week at the optimum times when your followers are the most active. The other thing that's amazing about Tailwind is the community feature through tribes. So you share your pins in other like-minded tribes or groups, and you all repin each other's pins, giving everyone's content a huge boost. It's the epitome of rising tides raise all ships. I've seen my website traffic from Pinterest go from a few thousand visitors a month to tens of thousands of hits just from Pinterest alone, and this really began to climb when I started using Tailwind. You can also use it to schedule your Instagram posts. Again, I I am all about time batching for max efficiency, so you can just sit down, take an hour, and schedule all your Instagram posts, and Tailwind will automatically push them live for you throughout the week. You don't have to do anything beyond that. You don't even have to open your phone up. It's amazing. So if you'd like to try Tailwind for free, I've got a referral link for you. Go to whatthefab.com tailwind for a free trial plus a $15 credit if you do decide to hop on a paid plan in the future. That's whatthefab.com slash tailwind, and tailwind is spelled tail, T-A-I-L, wind, W-I-N-D. All right, let's get back to the show. I would say in my experience, travel is a really difficult niche to get compensated for, um, to get paid campaigns, especially if your account is on the the nano influencer or micro influencer side. Um, Not to say it's impossible. And I think there are ways to get creative with that. I've had success um, when my account was smaller with including image rights um, and getting paid for that. Um, the What makes it so difficult to get paid for hotel stays is that, um, you know, everybody wants to stay at hotels and for free and plenty of people are willing to, you know, do a lot of deliverables, blog posts, Instagram posts, stories around just a free hotel stay. So why would a hotel be motivated to pay you? I will say what worked for me in the past was, and I mentioned earlier that my blog is travel and lifestyle. Um, And so what I would do is I would create kind of an itinerary for myself. This is obviously during non-pandemic times, but create an itinerary for myself, secure um, media stays, so free stays with hotels, um, media meals with restaurants, uh, media experiences with activities, and kind of curate this itinerary for myself. And then I would go and pitch the lifestyle brands. And I would tell them how I would be shooting on location, like let's say it's a sunscreen brand. And I would create this story for them that they could envision themselves in. Like, I'm going to be in Costa Rica. I'm going to be staying at this beautiful resort. I'm going to shoot your sunscreen by the infinity pool. And so that was a a good way and a good hook for me to get paid deals with lifestyle brands that, um, you know, it might not have been as enticing if I was like, I'm, you know, gonna take a a flat lay in my bathroom of your sunscreen, like having more of a story around it um, was helpful for me, especially when I was kind of starting to dive into the travel portion of my blog and that niche, um, while also wanting to find a way to be compensated. I would say, yeah, definitely on the getting paid is hard. Um, I'm actually trying to transition to that right now for hotels. And the biggest thing that I know going forward is I have to use analytics. I have to show that I can, um, provide bookings. So if you are getting comp to hotel stays, um, Try to see what you can do um, as far as some referral code um, and then track that number so you can use in the future. I don't say do referral codes for every single hotel or for every single collaboration. I think that's hard to keep track of. But if you know one is going to do well and you're confident that you're going to get bookings, use that to drive data for when you're reaching out. Um, now, if you haven't gotten a comp hotel stay before, um, I really recommend booking your own hotel and creating the best content you possibly can. Um, and I can understand that hotels might not always be in budget. So the second option, um, could be to 
book, for instance, um, like a pool pass or something, a resort pass or something similar and try to get other content such as restaurants um, and the other amenities there. And then again, just take really great um, pictures, um, get really good content and drive people to there. Um, the two things I will say about that is one, make sure that the hotel doesn't have some crazy, um, not crazy, but just doesn't have some photo policy. I know some hotels do not like people coming in and taking pictures um, without their permission. Um, and then the second one is the biggest things when I've talked to hotels um, and travel brands as to why they don't approve influencers or content creators is they don't see any similar content on their feed or when they do see content where hotels are tagged. Um, it's usually a more close-up picture of the person. It seems more like a fashion or a lifestyle post where it really does need to be a travel post that highlights the hotel the amenities and make someone go, I want to stay there. That's a really good point, Jessica. I've heard that from um, a travel brand that or a travel um, board that I've worked with a few times. It's Experience Scottsdale. And one thing that stuck with me that they said is like, when we look at somebody's feed and determine if we want to work with them, I want to see photos that tell a travel story that make me think, where is she? And how can I go there and experience it? Not who is she? And what is she wearing? And I wanted to add, have y'all had any luck partnering with Airbnb or some of the smaller travel companies like Getaway? Um, Jessica, I know you stayed at the Honecker House in Farmersville. I don't know if that was a travel brand deal. Yeah, um, I'm going to speak about Getaway House real quick. Um, do not give away your photo rights anytime for free stays. If they want to repost on social media, that's something different. And that's actually why I will not work with Getaway House is because each time they've reached out to me, um, they part of the inclusion is that they want full rights to my photos. Um, and then they ignore me whenever I tell them I can't give them the full rights. Um, and yes, the Honecker House was a um, collaboration um, that where they had reached out to me. Um, but you're always welcome to reach out to um you know, different local Airbnbs and brands and just uh, just be really solid in what you're offering them. Um, likely they're getting reached out pretty regularly. So you want to make sure what you're saying is something that really entices them and gets them excited. Yeah, I want to piggyback off of that really quick. Just the, the portion of that where you were talking about image rights. Um, I did a brand deal with a resort up in Oregon in 2019 and let me just stress the importance of contracts and reading your contracts. This was like one of the first instances where I got paid to do like a travel collaboration. It wasn't just, you know, a trade for stay. And I, I created all this content for them, videos, everything, and they loved it. And then a year later they came back and basically weren't exactly, they were kind of telling me that they were about to put my photos in like a print ad in a magazine. And I was like, wait, excuse me, that was not part of the deal. If you want to put my images in a print ad magazine, it's going to cost X, Y, Z. And at first it was like a little back and forth because they were like, no, you let us have image rights. And then we pulled up the contract and sure enough, no image rights. So I basically had to negotiate with them again for a separate contract where they had to pay me additionally for those image rights um, to use in a print ad. I'll give that one quick thing too. Yeah, it's so important. Um, when I do offer photos, I specifically make sure to mention for social media use with crediting only. Um, and that has protected me a lot of times when um, brands have tried to um, use it in their own paid campaigns because I have it in writing that this was only for social media reuse. Yeah, I was just going to say, no matter what you do when it comes to travel blogging, always make sure you have a contract. Um, you know, find a lawyer to draw something up for you. I have something in my contract that if a brand uses my photo without telling me, they have to pay me a crazy, crazy fee. And when they see that, it makes them scared and they don't do it. So always make sure that you have your own contract. Make sure... Um, if you are sending theirs that you have, you look over it really carefully or have your lawyer look over it. 
I would also add that um, even if it's a just like a free stay and not a paid campaign, it's good to have a contract so that you're all clear on the deliverables. And one thing that I've had to learn the hard way is that I also include a line in my contract that basically states that while these are the deliverables that I'm aiming for at the end of the day, it's up to me based on the experience if I am able to fulfill those deliverables because I have had, it's rare, but it happens. I've had a couple of experiences where I had a, a media stay, a free stay at a hotel and had a horrific experience and like would literally like you could not pay me to stay there again. And I would never, ever recommend that hotel to a friend or my followers or anyone. Like one example was um, the heat was broken and it was freezing and we just shivered all night and no one came to help us. And then the housekeeper just walked in without even knocking while I was naked, like totally ridiculous. And I like, I cannot recommend that hotel um, to my followers because because if they book it and have a similar experience, they're going to be like, what the hell, Elise? Like, I just spent my hard-earned money on this hotel. Um, so sometimes hotels get freaked out by that when I um, want to include that in the contract. But I just explain to them and give them that context of like, this is only if I have a really horrible experience, which I don't anticipate having. Um, and I just have to maintain the integrity of my blog and what I'm recommending to my readers. Um, I just wanted to shout out some words you should look out for in contracts when it comes to photo ownership. Um, these are words that immediately when I see them, they are huge red flags for me. Um, irrevocable is a word for me in a contract. You'll usually see it under ownership in a contract. So make sure that you are reading these thoroughly because as I said, words matter. So irrevocable means like you cannot take that away from them. Um, in perpetuity means like forever. I hate that word. I don't want anybody to own my photos for forever. Um, let me see. I have a contract pulled up that I'm looking at right now to see. Oh, words that I also do not like and uh, give me red flags. And I always go back to the brand and ask to change these. Reuse, reproduce, um, exhibit throughout the world, uh, <laughs> copyright usage. All of these are words that you want to look into because that means oh, without limitation is another one. These are all words that are taking away your rights as the owner of photos and giving them to the brand in your contract. And um, they can essentially take away your rights to charge for a photo if they were to you know, stick it up on a billboard. If you sign that away on your contract, they don't have to pay you any further things for using your image on that billboard um, because you signed away your ownership. So be very careful and comb through your contracts with a fine tooth comb. Rachel, did you get your question answered? Yes, thank you all so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Clarissa, can you hear us? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. What is your okay. question? Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Um, so I, I really appreciate that in this industry, a lot of influencers preach about knowing your worth, not working for free, even if you're starting out. Um, and so kind of from the beginning, I spent a lot of time pitching. Um, I have a great engagement rate. I feel like I bring a lot of value. Um, I have a little over 2,000 followers, but they're loyal. I feel like I have actual influence with them, even though I'm small. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like I'm noticing kind of a glass ceiling when I'm talking with brands. Um, I kind of feel like maybe <laughs> they're reporting back to their superiors. Maybe they need to have like massive numbers for the people they're working with. So I get a lot of responses back that kind of just immediately say they only work with big influencers, like as a rule. Um, so I kind of feel like I'm in like a chicken and the egg situation. So I'm wondering, um, is it more important to keep pitching or should I invest that time into trying to grow faster so I can actually get a better return on the pitches I'm sending? I would, um, I mean, numbers do matter to a certain degree. Um, and that's not to say that you don't have value as a nano or a micro influencer, you absolutely do. But like you're saying, brands do care about numbers. Um, the time it takes, you know, for them to, let's say, if, you know, if they can get 10 influencers with 10,000 followers to reach 100,000 followers or one influencer to reach 100,000 followers, the 10 influencers is beneficial in its own way, but it's also 10 more emails and follow-ups and contracts and going back and forth they have to work with. So that's kind of 
from the brand perspective, one reason why sometimes they tend to um, prefer a larger following, um, but each brand is going to be a little bit different. I will say that you do want to spend a lot of time growing your following in the beginning um, because it's only going to help you get you, I guess you're going to have to do less work because brands are naturally going to find you. You've spent so much time just giving into your community and building your community and building your following um, that they will kind of be your advocates even more. And, and so instead of maybe even when you are pitching, maybe find ways where you're finding mutually beneficial opportunities to, um, you know, get the exposure back. I think exposure is still a really good thing when it's done right. So not getting a free product for exposure, but, you know, seeing what opportunities. I love a good takeover when it's possible. I love a um, a small giveaway. I don't like the big, large Louis Vuitton giveaways, but um, something that's more localized and completely relevant to your following um, and attracts the right followers is something that can be very beneficial. Collaborating with other bloggers in your location or in your same niche so that you guys can grow your following is also that's going to do really well so that your community is getting more value and then the brands are reaching out. I think that we're all kind of fighting the algorithm beast these days and it's harder to grow on social media than ever besides maybe TikTok. So if you are in that and you're feeling like you can't get brands to respond or want to pay you, what I would focus on is uh, your skills in your niche. So photography is a great skill. And if you're able to present a brand with a portfolio of your fantastic content creation skills, your following might not matter because maybe they want to buy your images from you and you don't even need to post to your following. And you can be doing these sort of things while you're building your following. And until uh, you can get a, a brand to respond to that, that's what I would focus on is your skills, your SEO, anything that will help you become a better blogger and have a depth of knowledge. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Clarissa. So I think we have Alana. Yeah. Hi. Hi. How are you? What is your question? I'm, yeah. So um, I'm a, I guess, chronic illness and disability content creator. And it's kind of interesting. I have um, about 61,000 followers on TikTok and then almost 5K on Instagram. And it's really interesting because I actually feel like I'm hearing a lot of things that are different. People are saying like TikTok's kind of um, been having a lot of engagement, but I'm noticing Instagram's having a lot of engagement. I'm getting a lot more sales from Instagram. How is it possible to get my bigger audience at TikTok to um, like get sales and, and such like that? When you're talking about sales, are you talking about for your own product or for um, a brand's product? Honestly, both. So I have my own small business as well, but also for um, brands as well. Yeah, um, so that's a good question. Uh, I have found TikTok to be amazing. Uh, uh, but for instance, for brands, I'm still noticing that brands are still learning TikTok. If they could get on TikTok faster, that would be amazing because... TikTok has this exponential growth that I think a lot of brands aren't taking advantage of. Um, but until then, um, I'm kind of doing the same thing as you, uh, filtering a lot of those TikTok followers over to Instagram. Uh, and I think the fact that you have a product is probably one of the best things that you can do to kind of direct people um, through there. Um, and then just another thing, if you really are trying to get um, sales for a brand product, um, you can use like a link in a bio. People on TikTok um, are actually very interested in buying products. They sell out of things in store shelves in a day um, and go crazy. It's just you really have to dig into that um, why you need this now kind of uh, this it's this balance of like you are selling it, but it's still this organic why I love this mm -hmm. showing people why they need it. Okay, yeah, it's really interesting because I made a video on TikTok and I then posted it on Instagram and it, Instagram Reels and it went like pretty viral. Um, and I got like, for me, a lot of sales, like 30 sales and all my items are handmade. So I was like, oh my God. Um, so I'm just like, it's kind of curious because a lot of people say like, if it goes viral on 
TikTok, it'll go viral on Instagram, but I've actually seen a lot of my Instagram videos that don't do well on TikTok, do well on Instagram. It's really interesting. I don't know if you guys have seen that either. So I found out even from my own experience, as well as talking to other influencers within this group and outside of this group, that what does well on TikTok doesn't always do well on Instagram, especially because they're running on two opposite algorithms. Um, One of the things with Instagram reels is Instagram is pushing reels a whole lot harder um, because they're trying to basically take over and pull people away from TikTok. Whereas TikTok just kind of over there, like we're TikTok. So we're not going to, we're just going to let everything run um, because we don't really need to compete with Instagram because Instagram's not keeping up with us right now. Whereas Instagram's like, I'm trying to play the catch up game. So your reels might go viral on Instagram because of the fact that Instagram's pushing it so much, whereas you're just kind of working within the regular algorithm and in TikTok. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think that's it for me then. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, I'm just going to read like two more questions. I know that we're ending, you know, the first hour. Um, so I'm going to briefly just kind of do a reset end of the room, take the last couple of questions um, and say thank you all to the ones who've been here um, with us the entire time. Um, as you all know, we are uh, Babes That Wonder. Um, we're Sans One today just because she couldn't make it. Um, and we've been talking about influencer um, setting rates and negotiating brand deals. Of course, if you had questions personally today or you just didn't have the time to answer or you just got a little bit shy, um, you can always you know, connect with us. Um, you can go, if you click on our faces, you can follow us on Clubhouse to hear about future Clubhouse um, rooms that we're going to host, as well as follow us on Instagram to see what we're doing, as well as send us DMs there and connect with us. Uh, we would love that. Um, and then basically, if, if there's any other topics you would love to hear about, um, feel free to DM us and say, you know, I would love to hear you all talk about this. Um, we're going to be trying to do this every other week um, and hosting these rooms and sharing tidbits um, along with, you know, setting rates, uh, negotiating brand deals, you know, working within your niche, growing on social media, on the different platforms, um, you know, growing as a blog, you know, selling your own products as, you know, with all of us, we do a great amount of those things. So I think the two people who had questions seem to have put their hands down. So they must be asking those questions separately. But again, if you want to reach out to us, you know, you can follow us on Clubhouse, follow us on Instagram, reach out to us there. And we hope to all see you all um, the next time, we want to thank you all for being here. Uh, ladies, if you have any final parting words, we keep it quick um, so we're not holding up everyone for the entire night. Thanks, everyone. Hope to connect with you guys soon. Thank you for spending your Friday night with us. We appreciate it, and we can't wait to see you next time. All right. Well, that was our clubhouse chat all about setting rates and negotiating deals with brands. I hope that it was helpful for you. I hope you learned something. And if this is your first time tuning into the What the Fab podcast, I'd love it if you could subscribe so we can keep in touch and you'll get notifications for new episodes. Um, We have, like I said, more chats like this one all about blogging and running your business coming up. And I also cover a lot of just lifestyle and productivity hacks, some fun and interesting interviews with other women coming up so and I'd also love it if you could connect with me over on Instagram I'm WTFab over there and would love to hear what you think if you learned anything particularly enlightening from this episode and this conversation I'd love it if you could screenshot the episode and share it on your stories be sure to tag me so I can reshare it too all right well until next time we will chat soon (music) 